This is episode 26. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the All Hazards Podcast here at Cal OES. It is the week of March 27th, 2017, and it's Tsunami Preparedness Week here in California. If you heard that warning sound, would you know what to do? While tsunamis in California are in fact a little rare, the threat is real. But the results from the threat can be catastrophic. Today we have our resident earthquake and tsunami expert in studio, and he'll have his three top important things to know if you feel a quake when you are at the coast. We'll have all that and much more right now. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate it. Sitting in the room with me here this time around is a gentleman by the name of Ryan Arba. He is the Earthquake and Tsunami Program Manager here at Cal OES. Ryan, you demand. Thanks for being here today. Uh, thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Thank you. This week, obviously, is an important week for uh, emergency notification systems and uh, any kind of warning systems along the coast, any of these communities that have... Uh, a tsunami hazard area, yeah. right? This week, obviously, is the, well, maybe not obviously, obviously to you and I. Sure. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, this is Tsunami Preparedness Week. It, it runs from the 27th through the 31st of March, usually right around this same time every yeah. year. Ryan, you being the Earthquake and Tsunami Program Manager, tell us a little bit about what your area of responsibility is with regard to this program. Yeah, so um, California works with federal partners at the National Oceanic uh, and Atmospheric Administration to um, run the National Tsunami Hazard Mitigation Program. And what that means in, in general terms is we work with our state counterparts as well as local uh, emergency managers in California. We work directly with 20 counties that cover the entire coastline as well as uh, into the Bay Area. To prepare for this threat, this is uh, a threat that is is very rare, but the results from the threat can be catastrophic. And as a result, it's something that we here at Cal OES are investing in heavily to make sure that we are as prepared as possible. Tell us a little bit about what goes into Preparedness Week. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of coordination. I know uh, a couple of years ago I was involved in one portion of it, but tell everybody what it means to be involved in that. This year, what we're focusing a lot on is um, getting out into the community. Uh, so we have a few few ways that we're doing that. One standard way is through um, working again with our local emergency management partners to host outreach events. Uh, one example in particular is this uh, earlier in the month, we had an outreach event with the city of Oxnard. They brought together 150 community members that lived within the uh, tsunami inundation zone went over the tsunami threat and then had breakout groups after to talk about specifically not only what does that mean for the community or the city of Oxnard, but what does that mean for the housing area that you live in? Uh, 
get down into the very, very fine details, thinking through if a tsunami occurs, we get the warning, how can we make sure that our community is is prepared for uh, what could happen in that event? And I think also what is interesting about this, uh, there is a coordinated test of warning systems mm. that is really interesting. The first time I had seen that, not having lived really on the California coast since... Boy, I think going back to 1989 when I lived in San Diego, but I saw that they not only have aircraft involved, they have sirens involved. And this was in, I think I was in Eureka. Uh, So it was interesting because not only does it happen there, but it happens and it's a coordinated effort from Southern California all the way to the Oregon border, from what I understand. Is, yeah. Does that sound familiar? That's what you're referring to is is known as the life code test. Ah. For reasons this year, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at conducting that a little bit later in the year. Okay. Um, but what happens statewide is uh, a coordination, again, for the community outreach events and also something we're really trying to focus specifically on, which is our tsunami response playbooks. Uh, and that's something I can, uh, I'd be happy to elaborate on. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So, so one, as we've done all of this work, learning about tsunamis, working with our scientific partners to get a greater understanding, not only of um, what the different scenarios would happen to, say, a tsunami that happens off of our coast in California, um, but also tsunamis that can happen anywhere around the Pacific Rim. So it could happen in uh, Alaska. There's a, an Aleutian Island chain, which stretches um, stretches to the west of Alaska. Tsunamis can occur or earthquakes can occur in Japan that can have an impact on our coastline, Chile, and, and really all around the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so one way that we've prepared for that, and we're working with our local emergency management partners to... Um, look at the different types of scenarios f- based on what the earthquake is, the direction that the water, the ocean water would go in, what the tide would be for that day, the uh, speed that the water's traveling at. And that all gets put through an algorithm to use a, uh, to use a term or a formula, mm-hmm. um, which then allows us as a state and federal government to make recommendations to local governments based on how much of the community we would recommend on that any given particular day and event be evacuated um, to make sure that we're saving lives and protecting property. You know, when you're talking about uh, the technology, the algorithms, obviously, there is a a buoy system Mm -hmm. that's been installed uh, throughout the world, actually, but especially we're talking about the Pacific uh, between here and Japan and and Hawaii, obviously, in the the line of fire for any tsunami Mm -hmm. that may be coming from that direction. Tell us about uh, you know a little bit about this DART system. This uh, that's run by NOAA. Yeah, and of, and of course, as I'm here on the podcast, the acronym's escaping me. What DART stands for, but I can give a basic concept, and I'll compare it to how we measure earthquake movement. So, uh, in order to measure earthquake movement, we have these seismic instruments that are in the ground. They're spread throughout the state. Uh, those can read the ground motion that occurs during an earthquake, and within five minutes. Of, of an earthquake occurring, we're able to receive a report on where the earthquake hits, uh, what the impact is of, of that earthquake on the surrounding community, and that's something that emergency responders can use to uh, make decisions about how to guide their initial emergency response following an earthquake. That sensor that exists in the ground is really expensive to put into the ground underwater <laughs> and run cables back to the land and and so on and so forth. So uh, as an alternative, we have these buoys, as you may see the next time you're, um, you know, you're at the beach, you, or we've seen on TV, the, the concept of a buoy that's used for, um, yeah, 
different different channel markers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have it's it's that plus a level of technology that's in essence allows us to gather data following a tsunami event um, that would allow us to then um, use that and that data feeds into. Um, our tsunami response system. And that's a real-time data. Absolutely. And it can tell the difference between your your ordinary surf or waves yeah. and a tsunami. It, the program knows that. I also heard that uh, having spoken with um, some very knowledgeable people in this line of work, okay. they said that following the Indonesia tsunami that hit and killed hundreds, literally over 200,000 people, which is incredible to even imagine, Mm. that Germany was prompted by the Indonesian tsunami to beef up its own tsunami warning system. They did that. However, not so long afterward, went into disrepair because of pirates. Pirates were stealing parts from these buoys and selling them. And so I don't know where that system sits right now, but that was a story that was imparted on me. There are countries around the world that are taking steps to protect its population. But then you have this criminal element that injects itself into the system and disables what you've spent money on. I don't know if anything's like that's happening with our system, but uh, I haven't heard of that. But the fact remains is that we have a really robust system in place that will save lives. Absolutely. Uh, it was 2011 when the Japanese tsunami came ashore uh, on Cal- in California. It hit Santa Cruz, did some damage there in the harbor. Obviously, no lives were lost. We had a very good alerting type of system that mm-hmm. told us it's coming. I also talked to some people who said it was very accurate. They, they had a very good idea of what the tsunami level was going to be. And when it arrived, it was right there it was pretty much what they expected so our technology is working yeah and we're and we're continuing to refine and invest in that technology to make sure that um it because we don't know when this could happen it could happen tomorrow it could it could happen years from now so we have to be vigilant and how prepared we are um to make sure that we're ready to meet that need Coming up in the next segment, Ryan talks about the most important things to know about tsunamis if you ever head to the coast Remember that the All Hazards podcast comes out every other Tuesday, and we'd love for you to subscribe. You can do that at the iTunes Store or Google Play. And we'd love to get your feedback. Please leave us a comment at oesnews.com slash podcast. We actually heard from Patrick Konoski. I hope I said your name right. He lives in Benicia, California. Thank you, Patrick, for the very kind words and suggestions. We're seriously considering what you had to say and may implement one or more of your ideas coming up soon. So when you are uh, coordinating, um, communicating with your uh, local counterparts, uh, what are some of the concerns that you get from them uh, that they're looking to you for answers or at least expressing their concerns to you about? What what do you see as a major concern by some of those people? Yeah, so when they're... um Local officials are dealing with any any threat or hazard that would maybe require evacuating a portion of your community. That's a very serious decision that they have to make. Uh, some, and as as we discuss it with um, the different officials, some are they're ready to make the call very quickly. 
others are very hesitant. It's a big decision. It's a big decision. It's it's on a not only on a logistical as a level for the local community leaders, but also on a very personal level for the individuals. Um, and that's, uh, you know, we have to consider these are people's homes. They're, they're, they don't want to leave their home, especially in a time that would be considered a crisis. Mm-hmm. And there's also individuals where, uh, with access and functional needs, where um, they would need greater levels of support in order to be able to make that on time. You can imagine even a small community of a few hundred homes you know, on a level, if everybody wants to hop in their car and, and get out, could get a traffic jam pretty quickly. There may even be a traffic jam if a, uh, you know, if one street is closed in mm-hmm. the community for a public event. So uh, we take these decisions very seriously. And the, the way that we're doing that is we are trying to use the best science and we've created a process where if an earthquake occurs in a different part of the world and we have time before the waves would hit shores, we're working with our community emergency managers to make sure that we are making recommendations for the lowest possible evacuation based on the science of the event for that day. Scalable. Scalable, exactly. Well, that's good. I understand, too, that uh, when that tsunami hit in Santa Cruz in 2011, that they had quite a gridlock going on there Uh, because of the warning going out. So it is imperative that the warnings not be overblown or overstated. They need to be reasonable and accurate, but it's communicating that message effectively. That's that's a difficult chore. It doesn't sound difficult, but it is. Yeah. Uh, There's so many different ways to get messages to people. And then of course, you're not going to get them to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see happening in the area of uh, tsunami preparedness uh, that uh, is exciting to you or is new, fresh, or just simply something that you need to impart on everybody? Yeah. So one of the things I'm really excited about is uh, the SIGN program that we have statewide. The SIGN program makes the uh, tsunami threat very visible to our communities. And you may see them the next time you're at the coast where uh, there would be on a blue sign and it may either say you're entering a tsunami hazard zone or it may be showing you a tsunami evacuation route should it happen. It's something where we don't uh, want to deter people on any given day, but especially knowing that uh, our threat could be a far distance. It's a it's an excellent way of demonstrating uh, that when a warning is received to be able to give people the guidance to get to a safer area, uh, which is usually on higher ground. And if I may add one other thing, another thing that we're um, starting to invest in, uh, and we saw an example of this in Huntington Beach when I was there earlier this year, is a kiosk at the beach at the central entry point that describes the tsunami threat and hazard uh, and also um, gives in a little bit more detail um, some examples. So uh, while a community may be educated and local residents, we know a lot of tourists, not only from other parts of California, but from all around the world to come to visit our beautiful coastline. <laughs> so we want to make sure that those tourists also have the tools should should it occur that um, an evacuation uh, is, is ordered at a local beach that they know how to um, respond to that. Are the wireless emergency alerts part of the notification system for this? Do you know? Yeah. So the wire, um, uh, my knowledge is that's a tool in the toolkit. Okay. Uh, One uh, of many ways. One of many ways that local emergency managers can use. Following the warnings, there are obviously some very important things that people need to do when evacuating or before they're even at a situation. Mm. 
where they may need to evacuate. What are some some things that go through your mind uh, as a family man? You take the family to the beach. You're aware, obviously, because of your position. But now with the help of these signs, you're even more aware. (laughs) What are some some things that you'd like to impart on our listeners? Yeah, so the one big thing, and this fits into the, the earthquake hazard because they're linked, an earthquake and tsunami hazard come together. If you feel shaking occurring, we always want to encourage you to drop cover and hold on. And that occurs even even at the beach. That's the first step, drop cover and hold on. And if it's really shaking strong while you're at the beach, before waiting for any public official to come give you direction, we recommend that you get to higher ground. And, uh, and hope with the work of our program, you should hopefully have seen on your way in a way to get to that, that path. So that's one thing that we just say, Keep keep an eye out. Be aware. Remember when that shaking hits, drop cover and hold on. Right. Uh, when it stops, we'd recommend going to higher ground. Another thing, if you do get on the news that hey, we've we've uh, had a tsunami and it's coming toward our coast, what a lot of people visualize is that it's one one wave or one surge of water. A tsunami can have several surges. So in the in the instance, and we've heard anecdotal evidence where. Uh, maybe the first surge comes and you're at higher ground, but you want to go down to see the next wave or you think, oh, great, the tsunami's over. Well, it can occur for long, long, you know, many hours beyond that, especially depending on the level of magnitude of the earthquake and such. So what we recommend is you stay in touch then with your local emergency officials and wait until um, they say it's okay for you to go back. It's not um, it's not worth risking uh, yourself or your family members. No, absolutely not. Curiosity killed the cat. That's that old <laughs> saying. And yeah. you want to go down and see the damage, but it's just better to wait for the final word. That's right. It's safe to go. It's all clear. You can go now. Yeah. No, good advice. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that's... I've just you covered it. Yeah, we're... Um, yeah, and if I could just repeat, this is... Uh, it's a rare event, but the damage can be catastrophic. So it's something that we hope that all of the listeners of your podcast are engaging with the appropriate officials at the community level to make sure that not only are they prepared as an individual, but with whatever sphere of influence they have, we're getting the message out about tsunami preparedness uh, for Tsunami Preparedness Week. Tsunamis not only affect the people who live in and around a coastal community, they can affect those who live in the higher elevations, the higher mountains, the deserts, because they go to the beaches, That's right? right? <laughs> That's they go right. to the beaches on vacation. Let's keep that a happy vacation yeah. with happy memories and not a, a tragic one. Absolutely. All right. Ryan Arba, who is the Earthquake and Tsunami Program Manager here at Cal OES. We appreciate your expertise. Thanks for coming by and sharing. You bet. Again, Tsunami Preparedness Week runs this week through the 31st and usually runs about the same time each year. We archive all of our episodes at oesnews.com slash podcast, so feel free to peruse past episodes. We've had a lot of great guests, all of whom have contributed really great knowledge and very entertaining stories uh, to help demonstrate their points, and you'll learn a lot from those. In fact, that's the whole purpose of this. Of course, you can get all of them easily by subscribing at the iTunes Store and the Google Play Store. Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate it. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.